0: I love this topic that we're on, and we're going to be on here uh, on, the, on the subject of passion and purpose for a few more weeks. It feels so good just to be in the house today and to, I'm still getting my voice back, but it's getting stronger every day. And, and we're talking about, I believe, one of the most important things in life when we talk about passion and purpose. You know, we, when we start asking the questions, what are we here for? And so this series that we're in, we're going to be in for a few weeks together. It's called Passion and Purpose. And what we're trying to do is answer the very basic question of life, which is, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? And am I doing the right thing? And am I on the right track? Am I investing my life in the right way? Is my life making a difference on earth? And so I, I think the enemy wants to put us into this mentality that to find God's will you have to be uber smart um, or you know it's kind of like we talked about a little bit last week if you're here finding the needle in the haystack and you'll, you'll probably never find it because God's going to send you on some crazy journey through life. Uh, but that doesn't sound like the good father that I know. It doesn't sound like him. A good father and a perfect father wants you to know why you're alive. And so we're answering the basic questions today. What is God's will for my life? Like this. God's will for all of our lives, and you have to kind of back up and and regain our momentum if you missed last week, but God's will for all of our lives is to know Jesus and to make him known. Amen? Amen. This is God's plan for you. This This is why you're alive. Primarily, God didn't design you to simply do a job. He created you to know Him personally, and so God's will for your life, the reason that you woke up today is to know Jesus, and then as a result of knowing Jesus is to make Him known. So, have you ever had a friend who, who found someone to spend uh, their life with, and it's, it's changed their life, but it's also changed yours as a result? You know, um, they, they, they knew when they found that person, and so they're the, they're, the, you know, they're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, you know, so when you're around them, immediately, not only was their life transformed by this person that they found, this, this uh, romantic interest in their life, but in fact, um, you know, is, is they're transformed, but so much, at some point, it gets to be even in your life, you said, well, I'm really tired of hearing about Daniel. I've heard about Daniel quite a bit. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, because that's all they could talk about, Right. And they can't help it because they, they get around him. and they're like, he's the best thing ever. Right? He's, he's, he's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. He's amazing. He's beautiful. He's smart. He's strong, but not too strong. He's sensitive, but not too sensitive. You know, and, and, and he's got a job. He, he moved out of mom's house even, and he's gainfully employed, and he, and he has purpose, and he loves God, and he... And he loves me and Daniel's the thing right and so after a while you're like I, I see how this is going you know Daniel and you're making him known <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether you like Daniel or not you're gonna know Daniel because she's getting to know Daniel and the overflow of that is Daniel is everywhere in every conversation he's just there You know, oh, I'm sorry, I I can't make it to lunch. I got to call at the last second from Daniel. And um, he said his business meeting got canceled, so I've got to go meet him really fast. It's going to be really quick, but it's going to be amazing. And, and, And you're like, oh, Daniel, yeah, great. You know, we've been best friends for nine years, but now it's Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. But this is God's will for our life and for this world that we would know Jesus and make him known. And they're not two separate things. It's not like, well, I got to know Jesus and then after I got to know Jesus, I got to figure out how to make Jesus known. No. You just you just have to make your aim to know Jesus, and the byproduct of that is going to be that people around you come to know Jesus because you've fallen so much in love with him. It's kind of like the Daniel thing, right? They're going to know that he's the greatest thing in your life because it's all that you talk about. It's all, it, 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 he, he kind of splashes out um, inside of you because he's so full of Jesus that he splashes out of you, right? So our purpose, we, we got to get these words really clear today. Our purpose is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. But you also have a passion in your life and that's where things come down to practical questions like You know, okay, Sean, thank you so much for clarifying my purpose. That was good last week to know Jesus and to make him known. Uh, That's great, but what job am I supposed to take? What job am I supposed to take? Who am I supposed to marry? Where are we supposed to live? Are we supposed to live in Minnesota? Am I supposed to go to grad school, the University of Florida? I, I need some information, so can you help me please, pastor, with the real decisions in life, not just the spiritual decisions in life. And we have to understand today that if we don't see the value of knowing Jesus and making him known, does it matter as much if you move to Minnesota or not? God's like, you like Minnesota? You know, I kind of do. Well, great. Move there. Nice. Let's go do it. Go for it. But you know what? He's so much more interested in the bigger purpose in your life which is to give meaning to your life and, and meaning I'm sorry is not found in Minnesota <laughs> ultimately the meaning is found in knowing Jesus and making Jesus known so if that's the goal of your life then the passion that you have is gonna fall into the bigger story of God now what is the passion because that's where we're hanging out for the next couple weeks passion is the thing the first a blank on your notes passion is the thing that you are uniquely gifted for passion is the thing that you're uniquely gifted for and the thing that makes you come alive um, god cares about that after last week's message it was so encouraging just to hear um, how many people were just kind of ignited um, last week um, uh, I had a couple artists come up to me, I had, a, I had a, somebody that, um, who uh, works with numbers, um, you know, some people that, you know, work in the, in the field that were just ignited by, you know, I can live out my passion and purpose for Jesus, and um, it, it was just so amazing, so God cares about that, that the big frame, the big frame that we talked about last week is to know Jesus, and to make him known, and God's on board with that. And, 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 but whatever makes, co- makes you come alive inside, he's on board with that too. He, he, in fact, he probably put it in you. And so he wants you to pursue that passion. So last week we talked about, you know, how do you you know what our passion is? How do we know how to find that lane that we're supposed to run in? And if you're thinking about that question, back up to last week's message, give it a listen, it'll be, it's already online. But today we're going to talk a little bit about how to ensure that our passion is used for the greater purpose. In other words, I have this unique gifting that's in me. You have this unique gifting that's in you. I have this thing that's inside of me that makes me come alive. It makes me wake up in the morning. It keeps me up at night sometimes. How can I make sure that that thing serves a greater purpose in my life? Because I don't want us to make the mistake of thinking that you'll know Jesus and make him known and then just go do whatever you want um, to do after that. Because, you know, God will kind of sort, of sort of rubber stamp your ambition as long as you do and sort of tip your hat on the journey. So, so, so then how can, how can my passion lean into this greater purpose of God? I'm a real estate real estate agent, Sean, so how do, how do I use my passion uh, being in the real estate business? How can I lean into the bigger story, story of God doing that? And that's the question that God wants us to answer this week and next week. So four key areas that we're gonna touch on. We're just gonna hit two of them today. The first one is this. To make your passion a part of the greater purpose, you have to make excellence your standard on your notes. You have to make excellence your standard in everything that you do. So this text that we're, we're anchoring this whole series in is in Colossians 3:17, and we're going to read most of this chapter eventually today but let's start again with verse 17. You'll probably be able to say this out loud without even looking at it by the time we're done with this. Would you stand with me as we read it together this morning for reading God's word? Let's read it together this morning, all right? Ready? And whatever you do, that's our big phrase, right? Sorry, I I know I stopped. (laughs) The whatever there is a big phrase. Whether in word or deed, do everything, let's say that again, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father God, we just thank you for... Your word this morning, we ask that you'd speak loud and clear to us. Um, Open our ears so that we can hear you. We want to be different as a result of meeting with you here today. In your mighty name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So the key here, I love when he says, do everything. He's talking about comprehensively all your thinking and your living and your speaking and your goings and your comings. Um, Do all of that in such a way that it fuels the greater purpose in life but I love that word every everything everything do it all in other words whatever you do do it with everything you got whatever you do I I, again I love preaching this message to teenagers doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's if you're if your first job is delivering papers do it with everything that you've got how many of you um, Uh, know a generation that uh, you know that just seems like they were wired that way and they work hard and they they work to the bone Um, you know we 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 need to instill some principles in our in our young men and women and this is scriptural this is this is that we need to do things with excellence we need to do it with everything this is something i was again i was talking about last week this is this is a verse you can hang your hat on you can you can you can uh wake up to this one every morning i'm going to do everything that i do for your glory and for your excellence today i'm going to do it the standard of excellence so whatever you decide on this is my passion this is what i'm uniquely gifted at and this is what makes me come alive and i'm going to do that in such a way that jesus would be known in this world So once you decide that he's um, saying to go for it with everything you've got. Another way of saying it: make excellence your standard, and settle for nothing less. <laughs> settle for nothing less than that, and and that's how you're going to ensure that your whatever leads to a bigger purpose and to a bigger story. So Daniel in the Old Testament is such a beautiful example of of everything that we're talking about today. And so this is is the part of the story that comes after these very skilled young men. They're taken from Jerusalem. Uh, into captivity in Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And this is after the challenge of whether they want to eat the king's food or stay with what God has asked them to eat. It's after the fiery furnace, and now Daniel is being promoted up through the ranks um, of Babylon. And he's being recognized, and he's advancing. And the reason he's advancing, we're going to look at this a little bit today, is not because he's a God follower alone. Notice that. It's because he's an amazing person and a very skilled worker. So let's read this. This is what it says about him. Daniel chapter 6 verse 3. It says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So immediately today, we see what we're all hoping for, which is, you know, I want to be great with what I'm gifted to do and what makes me come alive. And so if I'm great at that, what I'm gifted to do, and it makes me come alive, surely that's going to be recognized at some point, right? Surely. And so Daniel was advancing, yes, by his faithfulness to God. We'll see that. But mostly, he was advancing because of the quality of his work. He, excellence was his standard. And and this was the case with Daniel from the beginning. Daniel made the cut, so when they came from Babylon, it says they cut off the top, the most gifted. And so he made that first cut, the the most noble, the strongest uh, of the bunch, and they took him into captivity. So on the first cut, Daniel made it. It wasn't even a question. He made it. You, You didn't want to go to Babylon now, um, but you also didn't want to not be good enough to go to Babylon either. So, you know, okay, you know, all you guys, you're going to come with us. You're going to come into captivity, into Babylon, and all your gifts are now going to be used uh, to build up the Babylonian empire. Oh, but all the rest of you, you can just stay in Jerusalem. So, I mean, it was, they weren't smart enough. They weren't skilled enough. But but Daniel made the first cut. So it's sort of this double-edged sword thing that's happening there. Daniel had this God-given exceptional abilities and he was already uh, tapping into his potential here but the second thing I love that we're going to see about Daniel is that he never lost his why he never lost the big story so last week we said if you will remember we were quoting A.W. Tozer it's not what a man does that makes his work matter paraphrasing just a little bit it's why he does what he does that makes his work matter and so Here's the thing today don't lose your why. Don't lose your why. In other words, you, you don't get extra credit in heaven for working at a nonprofit versus working at a financial institution. <laughs> you get credit in heaven for why you work at the nonprofit and why you're leveraging your gifts in the financial institution or the coffee shop, right? and so and if you're working in the nonprofit because you're trying to work out your own sense of self-worth and and if somehow you're trying to maybe just prove to the world that you can do something for the world by putting other people in front of you then your motive isn't really great your motive isn't great to start with it's self-serving now if you come in the financial institution because you realize God gave you a neat gift you can count forwards and backwards and stack numbers like nobody's business and that thing makes you come alive. I, I can't even imagine it. But you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking, mm. <laughs> you're thinking numbers, and you are moving through the ranks in all the world about about all the profits. And you're making the profits because you're smarter and 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 you've and you've you've worked your way up through the ranks you have studied you're smarter than than everybody else maybe even in the field but the way that you're doing it is completely different than everybody else and you wake up in the morning and you say God I want to be a light in this industry that you've called me to and I want to be a light in this banking sphere that you've put me in and so then you're on the right track you're you're totally on the right track and you actually may be capturing more meaning Day by day than the person working in the nonprofit space. And it's not about what you do, it's about why, ultimately, that you do it. Daniel never lost sight of his why. He wasn't convincing to the king of Babylon because he was a follower of the living God. No. He proved to be a child of the living God because of his exceptional the exceptional quality of his work. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Even in the very first chapter, these guys arrive in Babylon and, and they're, they're put into this regimen. You know, the, the regimen was you eat from the king's table. We we're going to give you the best of the best, the, the best meats, the best wines. And that was great, except it didn't line up with what God had asked them to do and what God had called them to do. So Daniel came up with a plan. And he goes quietly to one of the leaders uh, of the intern program and he says, Look, we can't eat from the king's table. And that guy says, uh, yeah, everybody eats from the king's table. And, and, and so Daniel says, can we make maybe just one little side equation here? What if you give us 10 days of doing it the way our God wants us to do it? And everybody else in the program can do the 10 days eating, eating from the king's table. And then we'll just see where we end up at the end of the 10 days. And so the, the, the guy says, well, I don't see what I have you know, to lose in doing that. So he agrees to it, and Daniel and these other young men, they eat vegetables and they drink water for 10 days, and at the end of 10 days, they're all kind of put in this lineup. They line them up across in in front of uh, uh, the the, the intern guys, the team leaders here, and the, the guy in charge says, Look, you guys are bigger, you're stronger, and you're better in every way than all these other guys that are eating the best. From the king's table, The choicest meat, the finest wine they're having, and you guys are definitely the best of the best. And so you're moving on. You, you make the first cut. You keep on going, and you can, you can keep eating and drinking whatever you like. It, it wasn't him going to the leader of the program saying, well, I'm a believer, and I've got some issues with this. It wasn't like that. You know, he he wasn't like, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. It's against my beliefs. No, he said, let's put God to the test and let's see what will happen if the equation looks like me striving for the best and then God supporting the rest. I'll just do my best to do what he's called me to do and God will take care of the rest. And I'll do the best at what he's called me to do. And God came through. And, and at the end of the day, they didn't get advanced because of their belief in God. They got advanced because they looked better and they were stronger than everybody else that was in the room. And so this sounds a little bit like we're turning church on its head today. And the reason it does is because we are. God wants to release you into your passion. But before he can release you into your passion, he needs to Reframe your purpose, that bigger purpose of your life to know Him and to make Him known. And then once you start traveling down those roads, you're going to learn real fast. Well, it's tough to make the cut in the lane that I want to run in sometimes. And, if, and I've got to regroup and make excellence my standard. And, and be the best in everything that you've called me to do. To know that there's no distinction between the sacred and the secular. It's not the what, but it's the why then you've gotta commit to a whole new way of life. I wanna recommend to you, if you're buying into what the scripture is saying this morning, that I encourage you to take 30 minutes this week and read an essay called, Why Work? The essay is written by Dorothy Sayers. She was a playwright in another area. This was written in um, 1942, coming to the close of World War II. It's one of the most revolutionary ways to think about the things that we do every day. And uh, it's totally based on the lens of seeing things God's way. I, I love it. And so why work is what the essay is called. You can find it anywhere online. You can Google it. It's also going to be attached um, to the sermon when it goes up on online on our website later this week. Um, but she opens up the essay and it's about it's about 12 pages. So uh, if you're going to want to wrap your mind around that, a good 30-minute focus. And you can digest what she's trying to say, but it opens up with these words. This is what she says. I've already, on previous occasions, spoken at some length on the subject of work and uh, vocation. (laughs) I have vacation uh, written on my notes here. Uh, What? (laughs) Vacation on the mind. Summer's coming, right? So let me start again. (laughs) I've already, on previous occasions, spoken at some length on the subject of work and vocation. What I urged then, was a thoroughgoing revolution in our whole attitude to work. I asked that it should be looked upon not as necessary drudgery to be undergone for the purpose of making money. Does that sound familiar from some people you know when it comes to them talking about their work? <laughs> sound familiar? 1942? 2019? Kind of sounds the same for some of us in some ways. I'll keep on reading. It says, my job is necessary drudgery that I undergo for the purpose of making money. So the essay continues. Not as a necessary drudgery that I undergo for the purpose of making money, but as a way of life in which the nature of man should find its proper exercise and delight and so fulfill itself to the glory of God. There's the purpose. That it should, in fact, talking about work, be thought of as a creative activity undertaken for the love of the work itself. And that man, made in God's image, should make things as God makes them for the sake of doing well a thing that is well worth doing. So when I think about Destiny Foursquare Church today and all the people that are going to sit in this room, just, just in this room this morning during our uh, two services, our gatherings this morning. I mean, it would take the rest of the time plus some to cover all the ground. But there are business owners and CEOs in the house today of small companies and medium-sized companies and even some franchises. Um, There are are those that have um, done work in the political field. Um, There are those of you that work in our school systems, teachers and tutors and substitute teachers. There are quick service food business people, there are weather professionals, there are scientists, there are artists and musicians and architects, Uh, there are those of you that work in the medical field, Um, we have several authors, we have many stay-at-home mothers and fathers, we have technology geniuses, Um, we have numbers, gurus, and bankers, there are engineers, and the list goes on and on and on today that's who's at church today and you're like well you didn't name my thing I know because we've only got a limited amount of time but you get the idea so here's here's the question today and it's a big question do we need do we need all of you to stop doing your passionate work and start doing some come to church work (laughs) no (laughs) absolutely not so but it's, it's the question that some of us ask so that I can be a meaningful contributor to the grand purpose of God. And the answer is 1,000 times no. 1,000 times no. I'm going to continue saying it just like I did last week. Dorothy Sayers, I want to continue reading what she says. She goes on to say, listen to this, the church wastes time and energy and moreover, commit sacrilege in demanding that secular workers should neglect their proper vocation in order to do Christian work. Is that a resolving attention for anybody in the room this morning? Like, I'm out here killing it in my sphere, but I feel like this little thing inside that, that this has to be really meaningful in the kingdom of God. And I should quit the sphere and I'm going to do something inside the church or in the church world. And this, that's where the meaningful stuff happens. And she's addressing this head on in such a powerful way. It um, says, Should we demand that you neglect the proper vocation in order to do Christian work, by which she means ecclesiastical work or work in the church? And here comes the phrase. Here's what I want you to remember from Dorothy Sayers today The only Christian work is good work well done. I'm going to say that one one more time because Christian work isn't defined by working at the church. Because truthfully, some people work at the church and they don't do Christian work (laughs) because they don't do the good work and it's not well done and it wasn't for a greater purpose. The only Christian work is good work well done. How freeing is that? So let the church see to it that the workers are first, Christian people, amen. So, you know, before you go running down the road with your passion, you gotta ask the question, do I know Jesus? No, I I wanna make him known. Otherwise, you can't be involved in the greater story of God, no matter what sphere you're in. See to it that the workers are Christian people and do their work well as unto God. Then all the work will be Christian work, whether it is in church embroidery or sewage farming. (laughs) I love that. So, Jacques Martin, he says this, If you want to produce Christian work, be a Christian and try to make work of beauty into which you've put your heart. Do not adopt a Christian pose. He's right. And Dorothy Sayers, I'm, I'm just going to read just a little bit more from her essay. It says, she, she goes on to say, And let the church remember that the beauty of the work will be judged by its own and not by ecclesiastical standards. And what she's saying is that the work won't be judged like, Oh, you, 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 you did that at the nonprofit? Well, that's awesome. No. The work will be judged by, did you put your best into the work? did you put your everything into the work because of this great calling of God the great purpose of God because that's my frame for everything to know God and to make him known and because I know him I want to do everything that I do with excellence that's my standard excellence is your standard and the only thing that you would accept therefore two things are happening right now God is the overseer of your work so I'm free now from that tyranny of well, nobody saw what I did. Nobody noticed what I did. I spent all that extra time at the store cleaning up everybody's mess. Why go the extra mile? Nobody saw, nobody cares. As many of you know, up until the last year, I've been directing and overseeing summer camps in our district. It's, uh, it's been an eight year um, role for me. And last year, I was co directing. Um, probably one of the last camps I will I'll, directed in, in, in that role is right before I came here for the installation Sunday I, that was my last week before coming up and so I was co-directing a camp down there in Cedar Ridge Colorado and one of my leaders told me a story about one of our Echo interns that was uh, serving in the kitchen after lunch one day we have these volunteers that clean up our students are involved in the process but the interns get involved too And it's a big job to clean it up. Think think about 200 teenagers, um, you know, coming in to the mess hall, doing their thing. (laughs) There's a little bit of cleanup afterwards, right? And so that happens after every meal. So and as we are leaders discipling young men and women, we try to host our campers and our youth pastors with excellence, like with everything that we do. So with passion and with excellence, and we try to offer them the best. And so anyhow, a person on our team, she said that one of our Echo interns went over and above. And this, this student was wiping down the tables and you know, doing everything that everybody else was doing, make, making sure everything in between the meals was just put back and together again. And she wanted to make sure that the next group that came through, you know, that they're going to find a welcoming environment. And so my adult leader, this is what she said. She came up to me. It's my last year of directing the camps. And she said, I was getting ready to lock down. I, every, everybody had left. The, the room was actually dark. They had turned off the lights, the tables were wiped, and I just happened to come back into the mess hall and I caught this young lady. She's a young adult, probably about 20, 21 years old, down on her knees, underneath the seats with her flashlight on her phone, going underneath every table and every chair, making sure not one scrap of anything was there or nothing personal of any camper had been uh, fallen down and been left. She was, when she walked in, she was, wiped, she was scraping gum from underneath one of the chairs. This is a person who isn't waiting for the supervisor to tell them that they're doing a great job. This is a young lady who has a passion to be in God's story. She knows what her greater purpose is, to, to know Jesus and to make him known. That's her frame for everything. And when, so when she walked into that room, she had a spirit of excellence. I'm going to do this with everything that's in me. And he's calling them up in a spirit of excellence because they know it isn't for men that she's doing her work. It's for the glory of God. And it is for God that she is scraping to come off of that chair when all the lights are turned off with her flashlight on her cell phone. It doesn't mean that if you're a supervisor or a manager or a business owner, you know, yes, you want to recognize your people. You want to do that. If 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 you're a, you don't, you don't want to not do that. If you're if you're a coworker, you want to celebrate your coworkers. But this takes away the pathway of the enemy that says nobody sees what I'm doing, nobody cares, no one values what I do, nobody appreciates it. So why do it with excellence? You know, why go the extra mile when I don't have to? nobody even knows that I work here it takes takes that all away because our response becomes oh yeah well somebody does know somebody does know and his name's God Almighty and he he he's the one that I'm assignment for on this planet Earth so it doesn't matter if I'm cleaning up after 200 teenagers in the mess hall he's the one that I'm gonna use these gifts and these abilities that he's given me while I'm on this planet. And he's opened the door for me to maybe even be in this field that I'm in with the gifts and abilities that he's given me. Um, So he knows I work here and he's gonna be the one that evaluates my work overall and at the end of the day. So Paul, after Colossians 3.17, he comes and breaks it down into this relational context. And he says, husbands, this is what you need to do. He, He says, wives, this is what you need to do. Children, this is what you need to do. And then he addresses the culprit of the day. And he says, slaves, here's how this applies to you. Now, when he says this, just to make it totally clear, neither Scripture nor Paul nor the Bible is condoning slavery. Some newer translations even use the word employee here. Um, He's acknowledging that some of you are processing what God is saying in a job or situation that is not of your own choosing. Okay? Okay. And so this can still apply to you, i.e. Daniel in Babylon. And he says, slaves, here's how it'll apply to you. Here's how you get set free by this thinking. You're not working for your master. You're not working for the big guy, the boss. You're not here because of your master. You are here working for God. Whatever you do, Paul says, work heartily. There's that whatever word again, that big frame for everything. It came back again this week. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your word. What a revolutionary way. Of thinking, if I go to work knowing that I'm not just getting evaluated whether I get a raise or a promotion or or, or stay with the company in the transition or get moved up to a different area. I'm going to get evaluated on this work today by the one who put me on earth on assignment for his glory. That takes away the tendency to let that negativity creep in, stealing my joy because nobody sees what I'm doing. So I got joy today because God sees what I'm doing and I'm doing it joyfully because he sees it. But it also puts that extra layer on everything we do of us wanting to say, man, I want God to be seen in my life and therefore item number one on my list is to make excellence the standard of my life, okay? So I believe that simple idea right there could be the most revolutionary evangelistic effort for the church starting tomorrow at eight o'clock when you clock in. Okay, let's keep going. The second thing is that you have to be distinct. So your work has to stand out. But you also have to stand out. So let's take a moment, because I think it's helpful to see the context of the verse that we're putting our anchor in. We'll we'll run through, through this pretty quick. Colossians 3, verse 1. Let me read it for you. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. That is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God and in Christ. And in Christ himself is seen for who he really is. Who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him in glory and his glory. So this is a big statement to think about sometime this week. In other words, the MVP of the story is not me. The work that I'm doing, the the glory, it's not for me anyways, but I know him. And I'm linked to him and I'm in him and I'm gonna partner with Jesus so that when he comes and he has the parade for being the Super Bowl, you know, champion, MVP of the Super Bowl game, and it's in front, he's in front, and he's on the float, and he's riding in the parade, and he's holding the MVP trophy and the Super Bowl trophy, and there's millions of millions of people. I'll be in that parade with him. I'll be in that parade so that the parades are all gonna be for Jesus, but I'm gonna be in that parade with him. And when he appears, I'll appear with him in his glory. So if I make the purpose of my life to know him and to make him known when he is on display, I'm going to be in that story. So then verse 5, Paul brings it all down to the nuts and bolts. Live as one who has died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who has died to diseases and desires for forbidden things, including the desires for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. When you live in these vices, you ignite the anger of God against these acts of disobedience. That's how you once behaved, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it is time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, got to go. Fits of rage, got to go. All forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech, lying, got to go. Lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and its disguise. So how about that for a transformational idea in the workplace environment, in the spheres that we go back to tomorrow? You know, I'm committed from this day forward to being distinct in the sense that I will not lie to anybody in my company, to anyone that we do business with, you know, to any of our competitors or to anybody that I come in contact with because I am a child of God. And things have changed in my life. And I am knowing Jesus and I want to make him known, and Jesus is not a liar. Therefore, I am not going to lie and say, Your delivery is in the warehouse. <laughs> right? Metaphorically speaking, in my mind, it's as good as in the warehouse. <laughs> but it's actually at a printer somewhere over on the other side of the country. But for me, believing in God and miracles, I'm saying it's in the warehouse. <laughs> We, we, we choose to live by a different standard, right? So maybe the delivery truck broke down again and you can just say, well, I have to tell you, here's the way it is. And it's a revolutionary idea, I know, because how could we do business by telling the truth is what we're thinking, right? But it certainly will make you distinct. And a lot of you have advanced to where you are in your sphere because you have been distinct in the journey that God has called you to. So look at what he says when he goes on to say here. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference, or your ethnicity, education, or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. You are always and dearly loved by God, so robe yourself with virtues of God since you have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness to all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith, forgiving one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of this one body. And always be thankful. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic signs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your heart. And let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're not parachuting into our business model saying, I've got a passion and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. No, we're coming in through the transforming work of Jesus and putting to the death the old way of life, all that stuff that it was just kind of listed there, and embracing and putting on the new way of life, forgiving. um, you know, Running into our passion, whatever that is, we've already named a lot of them today. But being a new and distinct person, as God's called us to do, you know, Sean, we're opening up a chain of of frozen yogurt shops, so can we do that? Absolutely. Uh, So we're going to start a shiplap, home renovation idea model. Can we do that? Yeah, go for it. My passion is to be on television. Well, great, go for it. Knock yourself out. But you're not automatically going to make a difference in the greater purpose of God just because your business grew or, or you got promoted or your model worked or you got raised or you got on TV or you got on Dakota Magazine or you got in the Rapid City Journal or you got recognized by the media organization that recognizes your sphere. You're going to be able to take, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to to just check the box when those things happen. You know, I'm making a difference in the world just by succeeding at that level. The difference that God is calling us to make in the world is by being distinct. And you've heard it said, you know, people will forget what you said. And in some cases, what you did. But they'll never forget the way that you made them feel. You've heard it said. And so you, you can go straight up the corporate ladder. You can, and you can have passed everyone on the way. Think of you as a selfish, self-focused Insolent person and miss the opportunity that God gave you as you went up to lean into the bigger purpose You make your what whatever that is Whatever that is that God's called you to do count by being different by treating people differently by investing your profits of Success differently by reflecting your success differently so integrity becomes the norm We'll close and we'll park here but I, I want you to hear this again in the life of Daniel. This is a guy that, that had his plan turned up on, upside down. He never, he never asked to be hauled off to Babylon, and he never asked to work for a godless kingdom. He never asked to be put in a position of, of building up something that wasn't, even in his mind, maybe of eternal value. He just knew that God planted me here, and I only know that excellence is my standard. But I also know that being distinct, that's my calling card. And so I'm going to be me no matter what. And so once the favor came on him, don't miss this. Once the favor came on, once the 120, you know, satraps, they understood of the three administrators, Daniel's the one that the king has his eye on, and he's going to get promoted to be in charge of this whole thing because of his excellent spirit. He's the one who's going to go to the top. And they were like, we we can't have that. And so this is what it says following. It says, then the high officials and the satraps uh, sought to find ground for a complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. And then these men said, we, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And then they put the, the, the king in a trap and they put Daniel in the lion's den. Wouldn't it be awesome to have it said about us that they couldn't find any basis based on character, to say anything about any of God's people in the spheres that we're in. Amen? So they had to come up with some other plan, you know, if they wanted to move them out of the way. And they will come up with other plans, by the way, to try to move the faithful out of the way. But the difference is made in the way that we treat people, the way that we carry ourselves, the integrity of our lives, the way we invest our profits, and the way that we reflect reflect our success. So if they want to do a special on someone in our church, you know, and they want to put you on the Today Show or interview you in your sphere to be recognized and celebrated, I just want you to know, as your pastors, Deanna and I, are going to applaud you all the way there. We are going to celebrate you being celebrated because of the quality of what you've done in the sphere that God has placed you in. And, you're, and we're not going to say, you know, you need to quit doing that thing and come over here to the church and fold some napkins, for the glory of Jesus (laughs) that's you know church stuff ministry stuff is important and we need people that are called to do that too but please stay in the sphere that God has put you in serve the church as God leads you but do what called has called you to do and make a difference and impact the world where he puts you and at the end of the day when the attention comes and it's you and I finding a way to say God is in the midst of all of this so now, most of you know that I don't follow sports, but I heard this story and I just wanted to close with this. I heard this story about Trevor Lawrence playing for the national championships, the Clemson Tigers as a quarterback. And uh, what a crazy year this kid has had. He's, he's considered one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And um, he gets benched so he become a starter when that becomes a thing, but it doesn't seem like it phases him. And the team goes on to just destroy Alabama in the national championship game. So it was this big story this year. Um, it's kind of happening in the news uh, back in February, March. So at the, the end of the day, then this kid says when he, when he was asked, this is, this is after all of this, when he was asked, you have all this attention, you have all these lights on you, all this focus on you as a freshman. You were in high school last year, and now you're winning this national championship thing. So how do you manage all of that? And this is what he says when the lights are on him, after this kind of championship whirlwind year, first year out of high school, he says, you know, if it wasn't for my small group, I don't really think I would have been able to handle all of this this year. And I was thinking to myself, wow, he's, you know, he's in his connect group. (laughs) Just watch this little clip. This is just a little clip from the conversation. When you took over this team, I mean, there was a lot put on your shoulders. How have you managed the pressure and brought your team to this national championship state? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to having good teammates, good coaches, just surround yourself with the right kind of people that'll that'll lift you up and and help you and uh, definitely just small groups and stuff like that, people to help me out, lift me up and, uh, you know, keep me level-headed too. (laughs) I thought to myself, if they put us up in lights at your company thing, You know, would you say, you know, that's been one of the craziest years of of my life, and I just want to thank the ladies in my connect group. (laughs) I just want to, they've really helped me manage this whole year together. I mean, you know, and, and then you could have, you know, other opportunities. Now, this is a major platform that he's standing on here. You know, and the, and the light, I just know that when the light shine on Trevor, and there's, there's much more to the story, you can watch more of the clips, but he didn't have to think, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to give glory to God in this moment? How am I going to let people know that their biggest story, he was just being who he was. And he just said, I don't know if I would have got through this if it wasn't for my connect group. <laughs> the people of God that were surrounding me. And I just want to say, you know, if it wasn't for my small group, I don't know if I would have been there and been able to manage that this year. And this was just a little thing. And, and you know, well, this, there's going to be somebody in the room that says, well, he should have quoted a verse of Scripture. And he should have, and he should have referred to Daniel and his sphere of influence. And, you know, he should have given glory to God or given an invitation to people. And, and, and because that's what it really looks like to give glory to God. Well, I want to challenge you this morning that no... That's not it, not all the time. He was making excellence his standard, just fresh out of high school. He's the top of his game in the nation, playing football, quarterback and see, you know, that's how this thing happens. He was being a distinct person, being who God called them to be. His work is exceptional work, and Trevor shows us that, and there are two of the four ways that we're talking about um, over the next few weeks that can make you sure that your whatever is a part of bringing this story to the bigger glory of God, amen? Let's stand. Father God, we're just so thankful for who you are, for your purposes and your plans for us, God. We wanna give you all the glory. For everything that we do, help us to do what we do with excellence. God, help us to be distinct in who you've called us to be. God, we say we love you and uh, we want to live our lives for you, for your purposes and for your glory. So, whatever that is, as we walk out these doors this morning, we give it to you. If you're here this morning and uh, you've never made Jesus uh, the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity with nobody looking around. uh, This is a personal decision. Later on, there's, there's opportunities uh, to make a public proclamation. That's what baptism is about. But salvation is between you and God. So with nobody looking around this morning, I just want to ask you, is Jesus the Lord of your life? He has so much purpose and destiny uh, for you. Um, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's a firm foundation for you. Um, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. He loves you like no other ever will. If you're here this morning and that's you, it's not a mistake that you're here. Would you, uh, with nobody looking around, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand this morning and we wanna pray with you. Raise your hand up high. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Father God, we leave here this morning and your plans and your purposes. It's all for you, it's all for your fame, it's all for your glory and your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning.